you would remain standing and turn in the blue hymnal to number 273, Low in the Grave He Lay. Always be. You are the. 
and the arrest and execution of Jesus. And then the resurrection. But there is no getting to the resurrection, that day of joy and celebration and alleluia, the Lord is risen, the Lord is risen. Indeed, we cannot get to that moment without the reality of remembering death. There is no way around the hardship and sorrow of loss, and so we are at that point. On Monday, a horrific fire engulfed the tower at Notre Dame. All afternoon, I kept seeing pictures of the fire, and I imagine you all did as well, and witnessed the grief of the people in France and the people around the world at the loss of this building, or part of this building that was sacred to so many, that is sacred to so many people. Many people made the connection to the loss of other sacred places, the three black churches in Louisiana that were burned in rapid succession of one another, the long history of the ravaging and destruction of indigenous sacred spaces. The memories of those losses were stirred up in the complicated, in complicated ways in the media about what happened at the cathedral at Notre Dame. And as today wore on, on Monday into the evening, and on Tuesday and even into today, people have continued this walk into grief about the loss of that sacred space and other sacred spaces. This shared grief in that context looks like this, the singing of Ave Maria while the fire at Notre Dame raged the testimony of the worshipers at Greater Union Baptist Church, St. Mary Baptist Church, and Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Louisiana. The quote, they burned down a building, but they didn't burn down our spirit. This is the movement of Holy Week toward Easter, moving through bewilderment, bewilderment, moving through loss, moving through grief toward joy. It is making sense of what doesn't make sense. This is why we tell the story. Year after year, we visit the season of Lent, we visit the story on the journey toward Easter. Almost 20 years ago, I heard a story on the NPR uh, program, This American Life. It was the Kid Logic episode, and the whole episode is about kids making sense out of things that don't make sense. And so this was one of the stories that was told. A father was telling about how he explained Christmas to his four-year-old daughter. She asked, what does this holiday mean? What is it all about? And so he explained to her that we are celebrating the birth of Jesus. And she wanted to know more about that. Who is this Jesus and why did he celebrate him? So they bought a kid's Bible to read stories about Jesus because the little girl wanted to know everything about this Jesus that was important enough to have the Christmas holiday. And so they read a lot about his birth and his teaching. And the four-year-old would constantly ask, what is Jesus teaching? What is that? And so the father said, um, it's do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat other people like you want to be treated. And now I'm quoting from the story. The father says, and then one day we were driving past a big church, and out in front was an enormous crucifix. And she said, who's that? 
And the father says, I guess I really never told her that part of the story. So I had to sort of, yeah, oh, that's Jesus. I forgot to tell you the ending. Well, you know, he ran afoul of the Roman government. This message that he had was radical, and it made people angry, and so they had to kill him. They came to the conclusion that he would have to die. His message was too troublesome. Explaining to a four-year-old, kind of a hard message. And then he goes on with the story and says about a month later after Christmas, uh, mid-January, the Martin Luther King Day holiday, and the father and the daughter went out to lunch. And he says, we were sitting in there, and right on the table where we happened to plop down was the art section of the local newspaper. And there was a huge drawing by a 10-year-old kid from the local schools of Martin Luther King. And the daughter said, who's that? The father said, well, that's Martin Luther King, and he's why you're not in preschool today. So we're celebrating his birthday, the day that we celebrate his life. She said, so who was he? I said, he was a preacher. She looked up at me and said, for Jesus? And I said, yeah, actually he was. But there was another thing that he was really famous for, which is that he had a message. And the father goes on to explain, you're trying to say this to a four-year-old. This is the first time that they hear anything. So you're just very careful about how you phrase everything. So I said, well, yeah, he was a preacher, and he had a message. And she said, what was his message? And I said, well, he said, you should treat everybody the same, no matter what they look like. And she thought about that for a minute, and she said, well, that, that's what Jesus said. And I said, yeah, I guess it is. You know, I never thought of it that way. But yeah, it is sort of like, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. She thought for a moment, and she looked up at me and said, did they kill him too? <coughs> One of the things that holds communities together, that holds us together, is the sharing of our stories. Our good, joyous stories that we are happy and proud and ready to tell. And our hard stories that make us wonder what is happening. How do I make sense of this? And the helpful thing about the season of Lent the season of Easter that follows, and the liturgical calendar that we go through again and again, hearing, for many of us, those same old stories over and over again, is that we share that story together, and we understand, again, to deeply remember that God chose us, and in that choosing, also chose suffering, and also chose death. On Sunday, we will celebrate the resurrection. But Holy Week reminds us not to move too fast, not to take it too lightly. We, like the four-year-old daughter in the story, need to hear the hard parts of the story, the seemingly impossible parts. How could that happen? Why did that happen? Because we can share, then we can share the good news, that even the deepest sadness has meaning that joy can come again, and that God is still with us.
And she wrote that she was aware of a worldwide grieving about the destruction of the fire in Notre Dame. And she said she too was grieving, but not devastated, and said, this is why. And this is a scholar of the Middle Ages and, and Middle Age architecture. She says, because I know how churches live, they are not static monuments to the past. They are built, they get burned, they are rebuilt. They are extended, they get ransacked, they get rebuilt. They get bombed, they get rebuilt. It is the continuous presence, not the original structure, that matters. Through the sharing of our stories, we can remember to be present for each other, to be present for ourselves, to be able to exist through hardship and to tell those hard stories. We remember that we are God's beloved and that we can choose daily to rebuild this suffering world along with our Creator. Will you pray with me? God, you are with us even when we don't remember you are here. God, you are with us even when we think we carry our burdens on our own. God, you are with us when we don't understand the hard stories of our lives or the lives of our friends or the lives of people around the world. May we be reminded, God, that you created us, you love us, and you walk with us even to the cross. May we be worthy of walking with you. All this we pray in your name.
for our very last song. Um, and I just want to encourage you before we go to really think about the things that uh, Regina said, about the songs that we sang. Um, and if you ever need anything, to really reach out to other people of faith um, and believe in God because He is a good Father. So, without further ado. See 